We have to go back! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And I'm Rickalees. The Rickalees. I like that. Rickalees. That that would be that 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 would be my chosen uh, immortal name. Mm -hmm. I I'd be um, I'm gonna stick with Grayson. (laughs) It'd be like a really modern name in the time. Yeah. (laughs) And with Eternals uh waking up and their presence to the mcu we decided to take a look back at the 2011 movie from the producers of 300 immortals they certainly have a type uh this worked out better than i thought it would ricky because they're talking about how you know they've been around forever and they don't interfere unless these specific creatures get involved and i'm like hey look at that and it's 10 years old which is one of the only rules we have here just gotta be 10 years old more than 10 years old uh it was one of the movies that uh had its release date be part of the marketing because it was released november 11th 2011 (laughs) Immortals, 11, 11, 11. That's what the big poster says. Was that even a Friday? Was that like a random Monday? I think it was a Tuesday. Yeah. A Tuesday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was released in 3D. So it says experience in 3D. So, yeah, this is uh-huh. – I didn't realize a movie released 10 years ago would feel so, so nostalgic in, in so many ways. Uh, in the movie, stars um, – you know everyone's favorite um, immortal uh, Henry Cavill, uh, man, and this is a young Henry Cavill. I wasn't expect. I didn't realize like how mature and chiseled he got uh, whenever he donned the uh, the Superman. Uh, he bulked he up, really yeah, bulked sure. up. I mean, he was cut yeah. in this, uh, and. Also, I think consistently you and I are going to say his name differently, and we'll just lean into it. Because I say Cavill. You say it like Gorilla <laughs> DeVille. And I am I think either way is uh, acceptable. I've heard it both ways. Um, so, I've heard it both ways, yeah. Uh, no, but I was surprised because I was like, oh, he. it wasn't like he was already in the physique of Superman when he got that. Because this was like right before right. that, right? I, I don't know how many years were in between, but... Um, yeah, noticeably smaller, mainly in the yes. shoulders. I think I think he really focused on the shoulders. <laughs> Abs were already there. Abs, chest plate yep. area. Um, but you know who I was shocked yeah. about? Um, since this has just become reviewing the <laughs> physique of the male characters, was Stephen Dorff. Oh yeah, and I like Stephen Dorff from a lot of different stuff. But I was like, dang, Stephen! <laughs> like, what are you? Wh- where, where? Where's that? Anyway, yeah, I mean, yeah, this so Stephen Dorff, uh, John Hurt, Frida Pinto, Mickey Rourke, uh, Luke Evans, so many people. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the synopsis. If you kind of forgot about Immortals, which I did, I don't remember this movie ever existing before we decided to do this for the podcast. No, because <laughs> we, we were like, we already did Eternal yep. Sunshine. Um, and then Ricky was like, what about this? And I was like, Rourke in the thumbnail? Yeah. I'm sold. So Immortals is a story of the legendary hero 
Theseus as he seeks revenge on evil King Hyperion of Crete for killing his mother. Of course, no relation to Superman, of course. Uh, Hyperion plans to unleash the race of Titans from their prison in order to take his revenge on the gods and wipe out humanity. But for that, he needs the Epirus bow and is willing to do just about anything to get it. Uh, yeah, pretty much anything. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of things he won't do. Uh, this was directed by Tarsim Singh, and um, and Henry Cavill uh, went through a lot. Nice. <laughs> yes, <the> difference. <laughs> I, I felt that. Uh, he, uh, he plays uh, Theseus, uh, and throughout the production, he refused all assistance from makeup and visual effects uh, to achieve his eight-pack for the movie. He told them, quote, you know, I don't want um, you to draw abs on me. That's my best Henry Cavill impression. Uh, he said it was a yeah. pride thing for him, and he actually wanted to have that body for real and show it in the film. He was actually very nervous about uh, appearing shirtless in the film. Like, every morning, he's like, can you see my veins? Is, do I need to let, let me work out a little bit more. And so he, he worked really hard on achieving his Adonis-like figure. Wow. Man. If Henry Cavill is self-conscious about being shirtless, what hope <laughs> do the rest of us have? Getting flashbacks to the camp pool. <laughs> Wear a shirt. It's a swim shirt. Uh, now, director Tarzan Singh said that he was planning an action film using Renaissance painting styles. Uh, he went. He went on to say, oh. basically, he wanted a. Uh, Caravaggio meets Fight Club, uh, and it was uh, similar to what uh, Baz Luhrmann did with Romeo and Juliet in Mexico, uh, taking a particular Greek tale and half making it contemporary and telling it. Uh, they were given a production budget of $80 million, $75 million after tax rebates, uh, and at least $35 million in marketing. Yeah. Oh wow. That's and and yet you and I do not remember no. this movie. No. Well, um, <laughs> I mean, we were like a year out of college, super, super busy. busy. And, uh, and and something else to kind of point to this movie, it, it is marketed as for the producers of Three Hundred. When Three Hundred came out, no one was expecting it to be as big of a hit as it was, and so a lot of other movies like this came out i remember clash of the titans more than i remember immortals uh because well that's because we left that theater we because you and i went to see yep. clash of the titans and then like the film yep. broke um because it was when that was a thing uh -huh. that could happen and we had to go see tower Heist. yes um so yeah i remember yeah. that but this and now I, I was concerned that this was somehow in the series oh stuff, yeah yeah right? and i was like oh is this a secret sequel i'm gonna have no idea what's going on the answer was no it's a standalone but i still have no idea what's going on right well this movie that really does feel like it is based on something else right it, I, I was like <laughs> i was with, <laughs> i was <laughs> I was because uh, I was waiting for like the DC logo to pop up or like adapted from uh you know this 
famous Shakespeare play. Like it just it feels yeah, just Greek mythology, right? Like, but they kind of took Greek mythology and you know did the thing that they said. Like they kind of wanted to make it uh, somewhat modernized, right? Yeah, they really get the sexual tension between family members, right? <laughs> like from the source material, that is. Spell. Oh yeah, yeah that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't create. You, you have to go to the source for that. <laughs> Uh, so the movie with a budget of $25 million, it went on to make over $226 million in the box office. So this was a success, huge success. And it never made a sequel out of it, which a lot of people like when I was searching for this movie, one of the auto Google questions was, is, are they going to make a sequel to immortals? And it was, you know, it was, it was very much beloved. So much so, Immortals is. it was immortal. Uh, so in the first week of its release uh, on DVD, it sold more than 1.2 million units of the film. Uh, it, wow. That sold over 600,000 DVD units and over 926,000 Blu-ray discs. And that's... They got in just in time. Yeah. Yeah. And it... Wow. <laughs> So it, it was wildly successful, and but then it just, you, I mean, you don't really hear much about this movie because, like, two years later, Henry Cavill uh, went on to become Superman. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that that was probably a, a big reason as to why they didn't do another one because they did set it up not too heavily, but they set it up a little bit as if they were going to do another sequel, like, oh, they're there's going to be another battle of the gods and or like the little kid right like see see him raise up kind of a i am legend type yes. ending yeah um but yeah i mean this movie got nominated for three saturn awards including best fantasy film best production design best makeup and it won for top box office films for the ascap film and television music awards so it's like an award-winning film. Even IGN Summer Movies nominated it for Best Fantasy Movie, Best 3D Movie, which I got to know what it went up against for Best <laughs> 3D Movie. Um, and the the soundtrack also got nominated for the World Soundtrack Awards. So different elements, right? It's not like it was just one thing that this was acclaimed for. Like, man, great fights. Like, it, it was the design and... Just the the fantastical nature of this world building that they do. Yeah. So makes sense that it was successful then. Yeah. Like it, and it's one of those movies where you expect, especially at, for the time, there was a trend where so many uh, of these types of movies were out, uh, and I think it was one of the first times that I was aware of the this movie trend. I'm just like, oh, another one of those three hundred rip-offs like that i remember at the time like oh it's another one of those so i definitely understand why people would write this movie off very much like i did but man i can't wait to get to headcanon because this movie was enjoyable but there was one little thing that made it the most enjoyable for me but we'll get to that later uh but since this is both of our first time watching this movie i have to say pleasantly surprised by it um it was really enjoyable it wasn't uh really like that predictable um like granted i mean we know there are going to be all these different fights but i felt like the agency was solid um the acting was great and the motives 
were really, really uh, interesting. And I just, I appreciate how they did kind of take this more modern ass. Like, if, if everyone was in leather, it would be like a Matrix sequel, right? Like, I was, I, 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 so I, I thought that the storytelling and the vehicle that they decided to tell the story in was solid. And so I, I really, really did enjoy that. Yeah, the structure of it is really, I, I think, benefits a lot of that tension because you have the oracles that are able to see ahead. So you are very clear on what you're trying to avoid, right? So you right. see all of the titans released early on and you're like, man, those don't seem like good guys. And uh, you know what you're fighting for. And I thought Mickey Rourke, especially in this villainous role, uh, he was a like a, someone you had to take down. He was a formidable foe. Uh, and so, yeah, it felt very David and Goliath and the whole idea of just that you know, Henry Cavill's not like a, a god level or anything like that. He's just a dude. Um a dude with real abs that are not painted on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think it was a very appealing story. Yeah, yeah, and that's interesting thing. Like I, I remember my um, my uncle growing up would talk to me about um, different Greek mythology, and he just had a way of storytelling. Like he just he knew these stories like to the T. Um, and he would just tell me these really epic tales of like Icarus, or I remember even like watching Hercules as a kid being, um, really impressed with just like the, the style, the visual style that they kind of went with that. And, uh, and I think that it's, uh, this movie could have been worse, (laughs) I think, uh, which is just interesting to think like they could have, they could have, um, made it, um, not as compelling, but I, 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 I think that the, the whole Greek uh, mythology definitely has its staying power of these compelling stories because like uh, I was watching like a random video on YouTube uh, that pointed to how like so much of uh, a lot of these Shakespeare stories that we know uh, has a lot of themes if not exact storylines that are baked off that are baked off of uh, that are based off of uh, Greek stories uh, and these uh, Greek mytho- uh, mythological um, interactions and characters and storylines. And it's just it's such a well that you can adapt kind of in any era, which I really uh, saw through this movie. Timeless. Nay, I say. Timeless. Impressive. Impressive. <laughs> That's what I was going for. You took the words right out of my mouth. I just think that the the mythological trope of like <laughs> of these really powerful gods pretending to be like <laughs> feeble old people. <laughs> I mean that shows up in Norse mythology and I mean through all kinds of stuff. I mean yep. even even in the Bible yep. where it's like hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a lowly carpenter. Like that's that's such a recurring theme. Um Yep. And then for Luke Evans to be like, I'm John Hurt. Or I guess the other way around, where he's like, I'm just John Hurt, but I'm really Luke Evans. <laughs> I'm just. Uh, I, I'm just like, yeah, that's classic. So that's when I say, like, yep. the source material feels like they they got it. They understood it. Um, you could tell that, like, we've talked about superhero movies where people were clearly fans of 
the superhero source material, I mean, mythology, those are the original superheroes. So you could tell that the, the makers of this were like, I like these characters. I want to explore them. Uh, and somewhat modernized, too, which I think is probably why it connected the way it did with the box office. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that the, that whole, like, 300 genre, it, it's, it's, uh, it's that thing that people connect to because it is so uh, I think we like seeing people overcome odds despite um, resources as well and so it's like you know it's it's an underdog story uh, and it's these like these people who are um, who should not be winning this battle and it's not because of technology or um tactical advantages it's just like all right we're gonna go fight and hope we win like uh theseus's uh speech stand your ground fight for honor fight for the man beside you fight for those who bore you fight for your children fight for your future fight for your name to survive fight for immortality i was like oh man i all right where do I sign up? I had a moment when I was watching that and he was listing those things. And at the like, I tried for whatever reason, tried to like guess <laughs> the next thing he was going to say. And we said future at the exact same time. And I'm like, <gasps> oh! <laughs> no, that's not what I'm supposed to get from this. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm thesis. I'm Henry K. Man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, very impassioned for sure. But yep. his, I think it plays better in hindsight, uh, knowing that Henry Cavill is going to be Superman. That you know, I just finished rewatching The Witcher, getting ready for season two. Like that, he is going to be that style of uh, hero, and to see him, then I think you pull the attributes of those characters and apply it to Theseus as well, to where as an actor he benefits on rewatch right like he did a great job first mm -hmm. time through but he's he's a right. consistent type right like you see that with a lot of yeah. um chris evans stuff right like you go back and you watch fantastic four and you give you give johnny a little bit of a break because you're like <laughs> i see you differently you seem like a better person yes. or uh, the other way would be um you know Andy Dwyer comes across as maybe a little cooler than when you watch Parks and Rec uh, the first time because you're like, right. oh, I, I associate that as the same person. Maybe I'm just bad at letting actors be characters. <laughs> <laughs> I should just let them be the role. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think that his type is so consistent that it just benefits all the characters he plays. Absolutely. Something that I would, would have really liked to see um, in this movie is if they would have elaborated on um, the the Greek character. Are you familiar with Headcanonies? Headcanonies head is part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film um, is Headcanonies's, you know, legacy. <laughs> Uh, so I, I wanted to hop in here because my headcanon, and this is the thing that made the movie, like I, I, like I said, I really enjoyed the movie. This movie became infinitely more entertaining to watch with this piece of headcanon. My headcanon is that this movie is 
Superman fan fiction, a.k.a. Henry Cavill as Superman, after he discovers he has powers, basically writes some Greek mythology fanfic because he's like, man, could you imagine if I was like Theseus, uh, where he's just like... Like, like, cause he, because Superman admires humanity. Yeah. Uh, he want, he like, he is, you know, he he looks like them, but he knows he's not them. But he knows that they are worth protecting, uh-huh. and he has the ability to do all these great things. But he also knows that humans, um, even if they don't have the great uh, power uh, that he has, that they can still do great things, and that he would imagine himself if he didn't have superman powers that he would still do the right thing and still fight against all odds and work really hard to maintain an eight-pack ab uh and to uh you know rise to you know god status the same way that theseus did uh and so i was like yeah yeah that's that's my head is that like you know what, what does superman dream of he's like he dreams of battle uh, as a human and rising above all odds. I like that. I want to see the post credit scene of Lois finding Clark's fan fiction and then him having to be like, I swear Diana and us are just friends. Like, it just sounds so cool when she talks about her family. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, also I think um, a, a fun piece of headcanon just with this um, is that it's largely just because I, I, of the Romeo and Juliet um, Baz Luhrmann reference. I think that this can be part of this whole modern verse where essentially it is old-timey but new, kind of like the <laughs> like the steampunk mm kind of alternate timeline of like, well, technology just advanced differently. Um, like it's not also with Chris Evans or Luke Evans, not Chris Evans, Luke Evans. But can you imagine? 100% exactly that. And so if, you know, these battles of, of yesterday were to the status that they were then, then that would also move down the trajectory of how different renaissance eras would look mm. so yeah no that like the modern that. verse change changes everything um i like the idea that this movie my headcanon was that this movie establishes that the time lords are actually what we perceive as greek gods uh-huh. uh, john hurt changing his face and yep. uh, so to justify that and connect the pieces, basically the you know Gallifrey is our interpretation of Olympus and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that was one of the things in Norse mythology that people are like, well, why do they take on like the bodies of humans? And that was a thing I think in the Thor comics they addressed too. That I think it, Kenneth Branagh had it in Thor two or. Thor, the first one, of like they they interpret the the bodies and the beings of these gods in ways that are familiar to them. You know what I mean? Mm, so that's yeah. why they look like Vikings because the Vikings like imprinted their image, kind of like 
reverse ah. it's a reverse genesis right instead of like be made in uh, their image like they made the gods in their image um so yeah. we've talked about the bible like a yeah. thousand percent more than we normally do <laughs> but um yeah I, I i like the idea that that has then evolved uh as technology advances to become time lords in that sense yeah face changing technology yeah. <laughs> I love that. That makes a ton of sense, especially with uh, the John Hurt casting. As soon as I saw him, I was like, yeah, we're doing it. And, and it also, I think that that whole, like, how things interpret, uh, that, that's a very similar thing that they do with, like, Galactus, mm. of, like, Galactus's form only looks that way to Earth because that's how Earth can interpret him. Yeah. Basically, like he looks like this giant, um, you know, human for the same reasons. Uh, unless you uh, own a Dyson, across... and then he just looks like a big swirling ball of trash. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, no, that's really good. That That's solid. And now we're going to go to the part of the show where we like to talk about recast remake Alice. remake Alice. Uh, if this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Uh, Hen Hen Henry Henry K. Wood. I really think that Henry Cavill would, you know, be really great in this. Um, or if we're going to just, you know, uh, switch it up, one of my favorite Henry Cavill moments, which I hope I never forget, is in the trailer for one of the Mission Impossible's, where he basically. <laughs> Just <laughs> charges up his fist and just like, woof, woof. it's just like, yeah, these cuffs um, me back. The shirt's <laughs> too long. Get that fabric off uh, my wrists. I gotta fight. Um, I, I think that, um, they would probably, um, try to do, uh, Tom Cruise. I think Tom Cruise would probably, uh, want to hop into this role. And I think that would. That'd be interesting. But as far as um, I'm thinking like action actors who I think would be really good in this um, or if they did Immortals. Nope. Never mind. I take it back. I was just trying to recreate Percy Jackson because I was like, OK, hear me out. Hear me out. It's Immortals, but they're kids. <laughs> so uh, that was a very short lived recast remake. But um, but this particular movie, I think Henry Cavill is you know, the choice and it's because he was the choice. Yeah. Um, I think a couple other people could just have fun doing it. I would love it if they kind of did a, uh, Mr. Or is it, it wasn't, no. Uh, what was the movie where multiple actors played the same person? Oh, um, Dr. Parnassus, imaginarium. Dr. Dr. Parnassus. Parnassus. Yeah. Okay. That's what it was. I think that that would be also really interesting is if they, um, they did that just like every scene, like uh, essentially. I think that was also Luke Evans. No way. <laughs> I might be wrong about that, but I. Dr. Parnassus. Yeah. Imagine Dr. Parnassus. And we have. Garfield, Heath Ledger. And I'm not seeing him not on the top because i made it up 
<laughs> Wait, but I'm not seeing a lot yeah. of people in the top cast. Like, where's Jude Law? Where's uh, yeah, Jude Law, Johnny yeah, Depp, right. Colin Farrell. I was getting mixed up with Colin Farrell. It's another movie where Colin Farrell becomes Johnny Depp. Yep. 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 Got it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think that that would be really. I think it would be fun to kind of switch. Just how um, visually, since they wanted to do a Renaissance style, I think it'd be really interesting to see basically the story of Theseus as immortals kind of be told through time periods. I think that that would be super fascinating. So we start in this, you know, Greek god era, but then we just progress through time and... um, and it's just this. Uh, actually, I realize what I'm trying to get to. It's very similar to um, Imaginary of Doctor Parnassus, um, but I'm also trying to get it to like Cloud Atlas as well. Uh, so it's like a Cloud Atlas, Cloud Parnassus, Cloud Parnassus, Immortals, make it happen. I think that that would be really interesting just to see different people take on like the the legend of Theseus, even if it's not. Uh, you know, just how people become immortal is just like it's like by making these different choices or the same choices that other great people have throughout time. Yeah. I think that would be really interesting. Um and I also think it would be a really fun um trilogy. Or maybe a a duology. You know, that's what they call part just one part two. Two movies. Uh yeah, I think it would be uh I think it'd be really fun to see that. And then just they end it there. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think that that world building, there's still still more meat on the bone, which is why to me I was getting a lot of God of War vibes. Mm. On oh this. yeah. And I'd love for if it was a uh, you know a trilogy or or whatever that each one is a different cultural mythology that are loosely tied together. So like the sequel would be Norse mythology, and like you can. Basically, any culture has their own mythology that you could just put in the same world. Um, and I think Clash of the Titans started doing a lot of that stuff where you're like, oh, that's kind of crossing over. But yeah, God of War definitely is the the most modern, especially with Ragnarok coming out. Yeah. Um, they're, they're leaning into it. But just to have the, the updated taglines on these movies... <laughs> feel like 2011 again yes. right? where it's just like when times get bad just remember they could always get norse <laughs> immortals too colon against all gods oh man Oof, grayson wow that's that's it you can't teach an old god new tricks <laughs> we went too far we crossed Cross the threshold. <laughs> An apple a day keeps the gods away. I don't. I don't know where. Let's just break for lunch and come back. That's where that comes from. <laughs> Look both ways before you cross these gods. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's good. <laughs> Any more floss? Any more oh, okay. Well, all right. Wants to, sure. uh, all right, now we're going to go to the final part of the show where we like to give you reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend Immortals? I recommend Immortals because it's a, it really is a classic 
story. Uh, you touched on the underdog nature of this. Um, it's very David and Goliath, all that kind of stuff. So um, I, I think that is appealing, but really the performances, you know, that, that 300 style kind of in retrospect gets a bad rap of being cheesy. I don't know how well it's aging, but I think if you identify it just as a genre mm-hmm. choice, um, it's cool. It's very much like they took comic books and printed them on right. film, right? Even though this wasn't based on anything else other than classic mythology, it has that feel. Uh, like you said, it felt like it was from some other resource, some other source material. So um, I-, I think just honoring that style and that that way of performing yeah. – um, there's value in that, and visually, it's stunning. the The fights are brutal. Um, it very much like 300, where you're like, "Wow, I've never seen that way of death before." <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it's the the villain, you know, Mickey Rourke. We haven't talked a ton about him, but I, I think him in that kind of role is is yeah. perfect, right? I mean, he doesn't play good guys a lot, but in this, it's kind of a, a Thanos deal where you can you understand why he is making the choices that yeah. he's making. It's not just villainy for yes. villainy's sake. He honestly believes he's on a necessary path, and I think that's why the the conflict is compelling because it's very clear what Henry Cavill wants as Theseus. It's very clear what Mickey Rourke wants as Hyperion. Um, and that's just really all you need for solid, uh, conflict, right? So, uh, you know that these two forces are going to collide at some point. They are, they have very real stakes in the game that have family sacrifices as part of this. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's a timeless tale, uh, that was done in a really fun modern way. So that's why I recommend immortals yeah absolutely i i think the surprising fun of immortals is the how stylistically they went with everything because it felt like their style matched the story and i think that that's something that uh, some people um criticize style for like we've talked before about like how you know tim burton kind of owns the market on uh really dark uh comedies and this really gothic kind of style visually but it's not just style for style's sake it's to tell the story that they're telling like i couldn't imagine um edward scissors hands in this super bright colorful world like it's or even beetlejuice for that matter it's like certain styles are used to tell certain stories uh and i think that this one matched really well um and yeah that being said, I do want to see Wes Anderson's interpretation. Oh, of Wes Anderson's Beetlejuice, please, that, please. And Edward Scissorhands, where they just <laughs> tape safety scissors to a kid's hands, and he grows up that. Yeah, yeah, I. I That's yeah, a whole we do. <laughs> uh, I want that. I need it. Um, <laughs> I would. Li- li- I'm just gonna go on a tangent. I would pay literally any amount of money if Hollywood said we're gonna do a gala. Um, and it's a fundraiser just to help fund Hollywood. And you can choose any director to direct any other director's movie. And we will throw any amount of money at it. 
That's just like, yeah. And it can even just be a scene. It doesn't have to be a lot. I would I would love that. But back to the, the misdirection oh, film that's festival. That's it. That's it. I'm, I'm getting the domain. <laughs> um, but immortals it's uh especially for this uh this uh the fantasy action genre i think it fits it fits very well and especially for this world that is uh so detached from our current world i think you kind of do need to stylize it so that we can imagine it um in our current terms because like they're using modern visual film language to tell this classic story and um it's the reason why you know the original uh clash of the titans was so mesmerizing is because they were bringing to life this thing that we had only ever really heard or seen um told in stills right and just like in in pictures or in images and so being able to bring them to life and put them into action and motion uh revitalizes it for a whole new um, audience. So I recommend it for that, especially if you do like um, these action fantasy films. Uh, I think that's why they told everyone it's made by the producers of 300. It's like, okay, great. That's it. That's that ticket. sold. that's our target market. (laughs) Really? So if you like 300 and you wanted more of it, uh, this gives you um, something that would definitely exist in that world. Yeah, 301 Dalmatians. Gray said, we're giving away so many ideas for free. <laughs> Where you have, like, Pupsius? Cruella Cavill. That's, I will. Hashtag dog gods. And that is our review of... The 2011 movie Immortals. Let us know what you remember about Immortals on our social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks, and it would mean so much to us if you could leave us a rating or review on your podcasting platform of choice on a scale of one to one. Uh, no, uh, I was trying to do a scale based off of the release date. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one, 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 one. Please don't give us a one. No, on a, on a, on a scale of, um, I would say, one pack to eight pack abs mm. that Henry Cavill is working so hard to maintain. Yeah. Uh, how would you rate this? And just like the makeup artist, I'm no. not going to touch that. Thank you. <laughs> And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. With Clifford the Big Red Dog making uh, its way onto film. Very exciting. We thought we would do what we do best and just... (laughs) Based on the title alone, review another film uh, that sounds like it. It's called Clifford. Uh, It's from 1994, and it's got nothing to do with the big red dog. It's Martin Short playing a little kid. So, (laughs) what's not to love? I have nothing to say other than I am so excited about this movie.
It looks incredible. Just look the look at the movie poster and know that Martin Short is playing an eight-year-old. Hmm. I yes. Yes. Only Martin Short in the building. Oh, Clifford the Big Red Dog, Martin Short. I get I got it. No, it's perfect. But yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Do yourself a favor and pre-watch this movie. It's gonna be a trip. <laughs>